Okay, you guys ready? We're diving in to talking a little bit more about the rapture. So all in all, we've gotten a lot of questions about rapture, tribulation, mm-hmm. the millennium. Can you kind of clear up different ways that Christians can actually like interpret them and view them? Welcome to this week's episode of The Follow-Up, where we recap this week's sermon so you can grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. I'm here with Pastor Jack and Pastor Ryan. Hello. Welcome. We're here for another week of Revelation. Mm-hmm. You guys ready for some of these questions? Yeah. Do it. yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're diving in more into chapter two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions that we got was, Jesus didn't like what a group called the Nicolaitans were doing. Mm-hmm. What does that tell us about how a church should deal with people who don't, who believe the wrong things? Mm. Okay. I go with, I, I still hammer truth and love. Mm. There is no pl- point where it is so squishy that we forget the truth. Yeah. And at the same time, we deal with it in love. But I, I love that uh, that Jesus through John yeah. starts with, hey, here's w- what you did well. Yeah. Here's what you need to work on. And then doubles back again with, here's what you did well, dealing with the Nicolaitans. So, yeah. so you kind of got the sandwich of a positive, a negative, and a positive, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you got to deal with it. You've yeah. got to deal with and stand in truth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I would say like in, the, in that passage, what's interesting is he says, uh, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, yeah. but in the next part, he's going to talk about their teaching, yes. right? So there's, mm-hmm. um, I think Matthew 18 lays out the process of what we think of church discipline where, mm-hmm. and that starts at the ground level when you know somebody who claims to be a follower of Jesus, but they're disobeying Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's the, like, you confront them personally and then you, there's steps to that in Matthew yeah. 18. I also think about, you know, first Corinthians, I think it's five where Paul says like, listen, it's not your job to judge those outside the world, but you are to judge those inside, inside the church and, yeah. and deal with sin amongst. So, you know, we're supposed to take our witness to the world and our mm-hmm. lives very seriously right. and, and police that within the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it comes to right belief, you know, correct doctrine, I think the pastoral epistles like Timothy, uh, those talk a lot about, Hey, making sure that people are, you know, uh, that you're guarding doctrine um, because yeah. that will lead people astray. So yeah, we want to take both of those things seriously. And I, if, if you think of what Paul says in Corinthians of, and such were some of you. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. so like you're saying, it's, sure, it's, sure. It's not those out there. Yeah. It's when it starts coming in here. Like right. we've yeah. got to draw the line on yeah. the clarity of truth. Like yeah. what's the truth of scripture? Absolutely. Right. So. Okay. Love that. Mm. So before we dive into the next question, I just want to let our viewers know that we've gotten a ton of questions in about the rapture and we are going to be mm. addressing those towards the end of today's video. So just stay tuned. We're going to get through a few more questions about this week's sermon. And then we're going to be diving into a few more questions specifically about the rapture. Fun. I, mm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So next question is Jesus talks about the, about something called the quote second death. Mm. And what do you think that means? And does it teach us anything about heaven and hell? Yeah. Well, let me say one thing I think that it doesn't mean. Mm -hmm. So there is a movement of people who uh, ascribe to what's called annihilationism, this idea that um, the second death is this idea that just as when like, when you die in this earth, you kind of cease to exist, you go into the ground, right? Um, That the second death is when uh, you've lived kind of an afterlife while waiting for Jesus to return. But then when Jesus returns, you get the second death, which is you cease to exist. And we would say like, we don't think that that's taught in scripture. The church historically is held to a view of hell that is it's eternal right. conscious torment mm-hmm. so it's an ongoing separation from god um and we think that's what's being depicted by the second death and there's more on that in in revelation 20 so um the lake of fire all that sure yeah and, and you look at the physical death and the body then right. you got to you go to the spiritual death which is that separation from god yeah to your point it's that eternal picture yeah um first corinthians i think it's 15 talks about adam what first came as man yeah Second Adam, last Adam, yeah. Jesus comes as spirit. So we see the first Adam, we die a physical death. Right. 
that second, we have eternal life in Jesus, yeah. separated from Jesus comes the second death. Yeah. So that's a spiritual death as well. Yeah. Yep. That helped clear that up. Yeah. Okay. So another question is the church in Smyrna was going through tough times. Mm. How does knowing that Jesus was also, was also once dead and came back to life help them? Mm. Yeah, I think... Uh, as I was as I was teaching through this section, I think the the reminder is that Jesus is saying like I died and I came to life. So what's the worst thing that can happen exactly. to you in life? Yeah. Like what's exactly. the weapon that tyranny wields against the believer or or people? The ultimate threat is death. Like mm-hmm. what are they going to do if you if you disobey if you don't go along with the status quo? The ultimate threat is we'll we'll kill you. Mm-hmm. And for the believer, it's like well that doesn't that doesn't affect us because we'll just be resurrected one day. And Jesus is saying yeah I'm the one who conquered death. Right. And that's what I have won for you. So you don't have you don't have to fear. And we can hold on to that that promise of eternal life. Yeah. I agree with him. That's what he was going to say. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean. <laughs> so one of the questions that we got in our life group last night yeah. is we have a few people in our life group who grew up in a very fear driven mm. um, view of end times eschatology. And that's really navigated into their walk with the Lord now. Mm. So I, I'm curious to know from you guys, Mm. how do we as like fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who people have this kind of background Mm. where they were like very fearful of what was going to happen in the end times. And now they follow Jesus out of fear Mm. instead of actual faith Mm. and love yeah. Like how, how do we come alongside people who may have that kind of upbringing and that still carries into how they follow Jesus today? Yeah. yeah. Sure. I, I look at what's the motivation behind what we do. If, mm. if it's a right relationship with Christ, John three sixteen for God so loved the world that yeah. he sent his only son to pound it. You know, I think, I think we miss something when when we're fear driven, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I mean, over and over, you can go to scripture and see mm-hmm. never in scripture, even backing out of revelation, mm-hmm. never in scripture is the motivation for anything, a natural worldly fear. Yeah. Right. You know, there, there is a fear as far as a respect and an awe of God, right? Yeah, which yep. is a very different picture yes. than fearful, not the reward of heaven, but fear of hell. Yeah. So set your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Set mm-hmm. your all through Scripture, Paul is pointing toward um, the the, fi- the ro- final reward of heaven, yeah. Smyrna. Yeah. It is y- the crown that's waiting for you is the crown of life. Yeah. So so like Ryan was saying earlier, yeah, death can happen. Yeah. And it's going to happen for all of us. Sometimes in all around the world right now, mm-hmm. there are people dying for their faith. They could right. not do what we're doing right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have people that are tied to our church who are serving in countries that. We can't even say the names of where they are or right. what their names are. Yeah. So they live in a way and yet their eyes are set towards the cross. Their eyes are set toward the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So I, I, th- I think it comes down to a motivation of heart mm-hmm. of what's true. What's, am I, am I serving toward the reward or am I ser- serving out of fear of what the punishment might be? Yeah. And, and Jesus mm-hmm. challenge was always to see him. Right. Like yeah. see the reward uh, as the reward. Yeah. I think about it. I compare it to like uh, those of us who have children understand that we want our children to have a healthy awe and respect of us. We want right. them yeah. to, to fear us in a sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet at the same time, it would be a huge miss if your kids grew up only fearing you right. yes. and doing what you ask of them because mm-hmm. they're afraid of you. Yeah. And we actually know that long-term that that doesn't create healthy humans Correct. That, that like yeah. eventually they're just going to rebel or they're going to resent or that right. sort of thing. But actually um, we want them to obey us out of love for us. And so if there's someone out there who's like, 
pretty much the reason I'm a Christian is because I'm just afraid of God's wrath or I'm afraid yeah. of going to hell. And that's kind of, I kind of got scared into this stuff and believing, um, then we would say like, okay, that may be where you're at right now. Right. Um, and there's, there's something real to that, right? We want to be, we want to be afraid sure. of the judgment of God. Um, but God wants to you to go deeper than that. Like he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants to, like you said, develop this deep love for him and appreciation for him. And, and that's the motive. Um, I'm also struck by like, if you just go read the book of Acts and watch the, the apostles teach, they do not start with, by the way, um, repent or you're going to hell because wrath is coming. They start with like Jesus yeah. and he raised from the dead and God has rescued him and you have this available to you. I mean, they start with sin. They talk about sin, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but it's not like you should be afraid. And so mm-hmm. now turn it's, um, it's often just pointing towards Jesus and his yeah. love and what he accomplished. So wonderful. Okay. Jesus said that there are people who pretend to be something that they're not. Mm. How can we tell who really loves God and who doesn't? <sighs> Ooh, I go, I was gonna say. so I go, I go two two parts on that. Number one, yeah. uh, James says, I'll show you my fi- faith by my works. Right. Yeah. Yep. So I don't want to hear what you're saying. I want to watch. Mm. And I love, my favorite is to catch someone when they don't know you're watching. Mm. That's when you're going to see what's really going on in their heart. Yep. Um, seeing their place of service, not a guilt. And you can tell when someone's serving out of guilt versus mm. truly like joy and out of that. Yeah. But the second part is we're not the Holy Spirit. Right. I mean, how many people... Right. And very large platforms and pulpits were we surprised at what came out later about their life. Or uh, mm. maybe they believed in that something just had a, a hold of them that they never could shake free of uh, from a, a sin or addiction or whatever uh, aspect. Mm. But I don't know, man. I, I keep going back to, and Jesus did actually with, with Ephesus, do what you did at first. Like go yeah. back and do what were the acts of love toward people. Yeah. So I, to me, there's something about the the fruit that comes from our life uh, that that is undeniable over a longer period of yes. time than I was yeah. with you for you know 30 minutes and we went out for the lunch and you didn't get drunk. Cool, you must be a really strong <laughs> Christian. You know, there's there's more yeah. to it. Than I think the, mm-hmm. the long term fruit is there. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that we can't obviously know right. someone's heart. God knows, and so um, we shouldn't make judgments about where they're going to spend eternity or, or that sort of thing. Right. Um, that's God's job. It's above our payroll. Um, but what I do feel comfortable saying to a brother or sister, someone who's claiming to be a brother or sister is I I'm worried for you yeah. because right now your life doesn't seem right. to reflect like, right. the fruit of the Holy spirit in your life. And I don't see indications that you're regenerate, that you're saved, you know? And so I'm worried for you, you know, like, um, I'm not making a pronouncement, you know, this is what I know. Cause I'm not God. Yeah. Um, but we, I think we can go that far, you know, mm-hmm. to say, I'm concerned, you know. Right. Love it. Okay. So switching gears, we have a couple questions that the congregation has mm-hmm, sent in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know. So one of them is in the Bible, we see countless times when God sends his people to do worldly work. Mm. Um, and then they go on to say, I also believe that he speaks to us through people. Does Satan do the same? Like does Satan have soldiers or something? Hmm. Well, I think maybe the, I'd be curious to know if, if this person, when they say worldly work, I don't think they mean like what we think of like sinful work. Like huh. I think, I think they mean like, you know, like God wants to accomplish something. And so yeah. he does it through people, you yes, know, like, does. um, and so, so I, I would totally agree with that when it comes to Satan. Um, I guess the distinction I would want to make, sometimes people grow up with a view that like God and Satan are kind of like on the same par, right. but they're just like, like there's like the good God and the bad God. One on each shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. And like, yeah. that's, 
that's not the way the Bible depicts the nope. spiritual realm. It's like nope. God is in a category all of his own. He is the creator, uncreated one, and everything else is a creation. Yeah. So so the devil, Satan, is a created being. And so he, um, unlike God, who, you know, is, he doesn't have a, I mean, Jesus has a body, but God is spirit. And so when God is doing things in the world, he's doing it through human agents or angels. Um, the devil has a, an existence, you know what I mean? Like he is in one place. Um, and so it's, it's, he can do things. Um, and yeah, there are demons, there are other, you know, arch demons or smaller demons and that sort of thing. Um, and I think sometimes in the new Testament, like the writers can refer to what those other demons are doing as just like the work of the devil, but it might not be like the one super arch demon. It might mm -hmm. be that demons, smaller demons are doing stuff. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if we have insight into like whether or not there's a command and, you know, hierarchy of commandments sure. or thing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I go to, to your point, you know, if General MacArthur was a great general in World War II, he gets credit for all these victories, but how many soldiers sure. That's exactly served right. and yep. fought and battled yep. thousands. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, to, to your point, I think, I think we get that picture. Um, Principalities, powers, rules, the air. Right, so right. there is like a, there is a hierarchy built in there. Yep. Does the devil influence? I would have to say yes. Oh, and yeah, it can 100%. be, like you're saying, it can be through the ranks. Um, man, I look, <laughs> I look at Jesus telling the Pharisees, actually, your father is the devil. Yeah. You know, which I'm yes. sure was a popular thing to say sure. yeah. uh, to religious <laughs> leaders. Um, so I think the influence is there. Mm. Are there those who live in such spiritual darkness that that's their goal? I, mm. I, I think we've seen accounts of it. Sure, uh, sure. Some are going to want to chalk it up to mental illness. They're, some are going to want to chalk it up to spiritual darkness. Yeah. Uh, you can't ignore spiritual darkness in scripture. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Um, so and we've yeah. all seen stories like this where sometimes you see a story of some horrific evil act and you right. think, that is more than just yes. humans doing stupid yes. things. Like yeah. that's, there's a wickedness on another level there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and those who will make that kind of that pact with the devil kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I, I do think, I, I think you see where the spirits of darkness, the devil it has a goal of manipulation you know, uh, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah. Obviously, there you go. Y you've got an answer that, yes, the enemy does have a game plan, yeah. and he does influence people to accomplish it. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, taking a little bit of a different turn, um, they ask, why are the letters to the churches addressed to, quote, the angel, mm. and who is the angel? And is it actually the angel that is being rebuked, and how come it isn't addressed to the church or a pastor? Mm. It's good. Good question. So I, I I was talking to someone about this too. That word angel um, sometimes well it just means messenger. Right. Um, and so some people have speculated that maybe it's like to the pastor of the right. church mm -hmm. in Ephesus or to the pastor of the church in Smyrna. I'm not convinced by that because yeah. the way Angelos shows up in the rest of Revelation, it's almost always spiritual beings. And yeah. so I think it probably is a, a vision of Jesus saying, "Write this to the angel," you know, the spiritual being. Um, but I, I I think we just need to remember that uh, this is a vision that John is seeing. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think we should get in our mind. Like John writes a letter, hands it somehow into the other dimension, gives it <laughs> yeah. to, you know, yeah. the spiritual being that delivers it. I think yeah. what we're, is being depicted is King Jesus who holds the churches in his hands and he holds the stars in his hands, which are the angels. Like he's in charge mm -hmm. and he's got some messages for his churches and the angels, you know, represent those churches, the believers there. Um, and that he's communicating through, you know, um, through this vision to his churches. Yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't want people to get super hung up on it. I think it's an interesting question. I think, yeah. you know, it's fun to speculate about those things, but. And, and, and as a pastor, I'm <laughs> telling you, do not 
Call me an angel. Oh my word! Yes, please. <laughs> yes. First of all, yes. Uh, thank let's, you. Let's, let's thank you. Yes, that. I am not the I angel. Think that's to pretty the... safe to say. Um, <laughs> am I a messenger at time? Yeah. Sure. But am sure. I an angel? No. Let's no. not do that. No. Um, no. no. But yeah, to your point, I, I I think you have to get into a lot of speculation to yeah. try and figure that out. Other than like you're saying that that picture, because even going back to Revelation one, mm-hmm. we get the clarity of what the golden lampstands are and yeah. the stars are. But but we understand that this is a vision with symbolism and pictures that John is spelling out for us. Yeah. So I think I think you're spot on with that. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, you guys ready? We're diving in to talking a little bit more about the rapture. So all in all, we've gotten a lot of questions about rapture, tribulation, mm-hmm. the millennium. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of clear up different ways that Christians can actually like interpret them and view them? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'll, I'll kind of spell things out and jump in if, if you have sure. stuff to add. So, um, remember that our, our church is a part of a network of churches an association of churches called the evangelical free church of America. And, uh, we're united by a common statement of faith, doctrinal statements. And our view as a church, we talk about majoring on the majors and minoring on the minors that we are focused on, um, the essential core truths of the gospel and what Christians throughout the centuries have been united on. And we feel free to gr- disagree upon secondary points of doctrine. So that's the same when it comes to eschatology, which just means the study of the end, the study of the end times, right? So uh, our church is open to a number of different views, and we'll kind of go through four of them. But what we affirm and what we would say, like every believer should affirm, is that Jesus is going to return bodily to judge the living and the dead. That's it. And he's coming soon. And that's what he said to us, right? Yeah. So right. that's what we we emphasize. Now, when it comes to those, uh, a couple different views, we've got... Um, uh, dispensational premillennialism. And that's probably the view that most people are familiar with. It was the view that was represented in the left behind books. And it has the idea of, um, the church being raptured out of the world, um, disappearing, the Christians, true believers disappearing. And then there's a period of time of tribulation and, um, and signs that are happening. And, and there's, there are things happening for, for national Israel in that time. And then Jesus will return, um, to bring about the millennial kingdom, and then that'll happen. And then there'll be the final judgment. So that is a, a pretty common view that we're, we're open to. Um, then there is what's called historic premillennialism, which is the idea that actually um, the rapture and the second coming happen at the same time. The church goes up while Jesus comes down. So the church goes through the tribulation, um, through this period of suffering, Jesus comes back. Then there is the millennium and Jesus reigns on earth with the believers. And then the final judgment happens after that. And that's, that's open to anyone in our congregation or anyone on our staff as well in terms of those beliefs. Then there's amillennialism, which is, and that word ah is a negation. It means no millennium. And that's the view that the millennium is currently happening. That it's more of a figurative reign of Christ that we're reigning with him um, right now as he's reigning over the world. Um, and then when Jesus, like when Jesus comes back, that's it. Like Jesus returns and then there's the final judgment and the new creation. And then finally, postmillennialism is the idea that the millennium really is going to be kind of this, um, this period of, of peace and prosperity and, and wellness, but it's going to happen. The church is going to bring it about through the preaching of the gospel and more and more people are going to get converted and the world is going to become more and more Christianized. And then at the end of that millennial period, um, Jesus is going to return final judgment, new heavens and new earth. Okay. So that's a lot. I know dispensational premillennialism, historic premillennialism, amillennialism, and then post millennialism. And we would say as a church, like 
we would love to uh, debate about those things. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a different view, uh, we would, we would be open to hearing from that. Um, you will not hear any of us talk about post-millennialism or take that view right. from the pulpit. Right. None of us are in that camp. Uh, and, and in fact, where we're at currently, where I'm at currently, and as a teaching staff, none of us are going to really um, drive forward the, the dispensational premillennialism view from the front. So if that's what you grew up with and are, and are working with, you know, you're welcome to that, but you're not going to hear that really strongly taught. Um, you'll hear us kind of straddle between historic premill and, and amill. I would say um, during this series. So, and we're going to dive into that a little bit more in a video that we're doing and it'll be released a little bit later. So um, anything to add to yeah, that? I, yeah. I think I would say, as, as Ryan was saying that, boy, there's a lot there. We need, a, there's grace. Yeah. yeah. There's grace in this. I, yeah. I, I said it in the first week of the message, but of the series, I could probably pick 10 pastors that most all of us would, would respect yeah. and find one person at least to represent the different camps. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say also, when you look at spring Lake and you hear us teach, we don't overlap perfectly on this. We have unity yeah. on the return of Christ. We yep. have unity on Jesus as Lord. We have unity on the, on the judgment that is to come and the reward that is to come eternal life. Yeah. So th those are the things we really hammer down on yeah. and give grace in the others. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking it just a few moments you bet, to you bet. clear some clear some things up for us. Sure. And thank you for being on this week's episode of the follow up. We will see you guys in next week's episode. See ya. Thanks. Thanks.